Hi, this is Chris from N3 Architects, and thank you for tuning in to the Home Design Academy podcast. I'm a licensed architect, and I'm here to help your average homeowner understand the complexities of design and construction so that they can make better decisions when they build or remodel their house. And now on to the show. All right, here we go for another episode of the Home Design Academy podcast. This is episode number three, and today we're going to be talking all about ice dams. Before we get into the discussion for today, make sure you stick around until the end, as we had a really good listener question this week talking about the best ways to spend your money on a limited budget. Okay, let's get started on ice dams. First off, what is an ice dam? This is a question that many people might not know the answer to. What is an ice dam? Well, an ice dam is a layer of ice at the bottom edge of your roof, which builds up and works its way up underneath your roof shingles and then melts and leaks into your house. How are ice dams formed? Well, first off, before we get started on this, I'm primarily talking about a cold roof situation where your your insulation is at the ceiling of your top floor level, your attic level. Some houses may have their insulation up into the roof framing and the attic level or the top level is a usable space. So I'm not talking about those types of houses right here. I'm talking about the cold roof type of situation, cold roof, cold attic. So in a cold roof, ice dams are formed when warm air leaks up into your attic or there's poor venting that allows the underside of the plywood sheathing on the roof to warm up. This warmth is then transferred up through your roof and melts the underside of your snow. The melted snow travels down your roof shingles, and once it gets down to the gutter and overhang, it no longer has that warmth below it, so it refreezes. The more snow that melts and runs down and refreezes, the more the ice dam will build up, and as I mentioned before, it eventually will work its way under your shingles, remelt, and then leak into your house. So what can you do to prevent them? Well, here are my top five ways. Number one, soffit to ridge venting. For cold attics, soffit to ridge venting is critical. Cold air will enter the bottom of your roof through the roof overhang, travels up the underside of your roof framing, and out the top through the ridge vent. If you're building a a new house, make sure that you have a fully vented soffit installed and not the type of soffit that is vented every third panel or so. You want the fully vented soffit. On older houses, even those which have a vented vinyl soffit, you need to verify there's not plywood on the underside of that vinyl blocking the vents. I've seen cases where someone has their house resided and the siding contractor will throw up a vented uh, vented soffit, but then if you actually pull that soffit down, you'll see a layer of plywood that was installed when the house was originally built, and that layer of plywood is blocking the vent. It's blocking the cold air from getting in there. Some houses have vents in the in the end walls at the gable ends of the house, and usually they're usually up near the peak, and some sometimes they're installed only for looks. Um, but the problem with these gable end vents is that they can actually cancel out the soffit-to-ridge airflow and do more harm than good. The number two method of preventing ice dams is to have no penetrations between your topmost ceiling level and your attic. Now, what type of ceiling penetrations do most houses have? Well, number one, recessed can lights, very popular. But the problem with the recessed can lights is no matter how well they're sealed, there's always going to be conditioned air that leaks from the conditioned space, from your bedroom or 
or living room or whatever room in your house and leaks up into the attic. And this is bad. So you do not want to have any recessed can lights in the uppermost level of your of your house if you have a cold attic. I also don't like ductwork running in the attic of cold roof houses. There's many problems with running your ductwork in the attic that affect both your heating in the winter and the cooling in the summer. To keep on topic, one of the big problems, again, with ductwork in the attic is creating that penetration in the ceiling level, allowing the warm air up into the attic and to melt the snow that's on top of your roof. If you already have ductwork in your attic, one solution could be go up and to, to build a framed enclosure or a box around the ductwork, insulate, install sheetrock, which is taped and painted, um, and then or at least primed, and then this will essentially put your ductwork into the condition envelope and will reduce the heat loss through, the, through that ceiling penetration. And that way you can seal off the ductwork with not having to reroute it, which could get expensive. Tip number three on preventing ice dams is to have your house built with a simple roof structure. Now, if you're living in an existing house that has problems with ice dams, most likely you're not going to go up and change the framing of your roof. But if you're the type of person who is in the situation of building a new house, I would highly recommend keeping your roof design and your, your roof lines as simple as possible. Once you start mixing in hip roofs and dormers and gables on top of gables, it just complicates things and it prevents the venting of your attic to occur as it should. And when you don't have that adequate venting, when you don't have that venting system working exactly how it should, it just leads to the, to the opportunity for ice dams to occur. Now, if you do have a house with a complex roof line and you are getting ice dams, one thing you might want to think about is installing a static roof vent, which is a, a small rectangular roof vent, and install those along your valleys or any other place where air might, might not be traveling. Tip number four, closed cell spray foam insulation in the attic. Now, the closed cell spray foam, just for its air sealing qualities alone, is a great solution in this, in this instance where you're trying to prevent that heat loss, that conditioned air, whether it's warm air in the winter or cold air in the summer, you're trying to prevent that conditioned air from getting through your ceiling up into your attic. And the, the spray foam, it seals all the little tiny cracks and joints between your, your ceiling framing, your roof framing, your sheetrock on your, on your top floor level ceiling, and it closes all those up and doesn't allow any air to get through. And for that purpose alone, it is a great solution for a cold attic. Now, even if you can't afford, if your budget can't uh, absorb the cost of a full depth of spray foam, you can even install just a one to two inch flash coat of the foam and then put bat insulation or cellulose insulation on top of it. That way you get the benefits of the air sealing and then you can add the, the less expensive insulation to get your R value. Just make sure, one important tip, if you're, if you're considering spray foam in the attic, just make sure that your insulator does not block the soffit venting. All right, tip number five is to use insulation baffles. Baffles are critical to maintaining the full soffit to ridge venting system. They're installed in your attic at the bottom of the roof framing where your roof framing meets the exterior wall and they keep your attic insulation from blocking that airflow. Baffles are absolutely critical if you have blown-in cellulose insulation in your attic. And I'll tell you why. I've seen attics where after a storm with high winds where baffles weren't used, that the, the high winds came through the soffit vent and actually blew the cellulose insulation around the attic, leaving cold spots. 
So you need to make sure you have baffles in place so your cellulose insulation doesn't blow around. But baffles are also equally as important if you're using bat insulation, fiberglass bats, because you don't want your, your bats to, to, to block the, the soft event. And it's also critical if you're using a spray foam. There's a few different types of baffles. The most inexpensive type are the foam or plastic inserts that slide into place. You, you'll usually see these at your typical big box store. These, in my opinion, will allow for the least amount of airflow. Um, they're not really secured in any means, and they can be dis dislodged very easily with high winds or installer error or just people that don't really do a good job and making sure that they're, they're installed properly. They just slide them into place, push the insulation up above it, uh, up, up against it and call it a day. The next type of baffle is a cardboard baffle. Uh, again, we're still not the best here, but at least the cardboard baffles have tabs at the edges um, that are bent down and, and will allow for you to secure it into your framing. The downside is they're made out of cardboard and they will eventually deteriorate, or there's also the potential that they become a food source for mold and you could have mold growing up in your attic. So um, they make similar types of baffles with the tabs that, for securing into the framing, but are constructed of a plastic material. I think that that is a good option for most people because you get the, the securing aspects of, of the baffle, but you don't have to worry about it deteriorating. The next type and what I think is the best type is is to install a solid baffle. Now, this would be a custom-built detail in the field where the contractor would use half-inch plywood and screw it into the blocking and underside of your roof framing. This is the best and most durable solution. It's done once. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to replace it. You don't have to worry about it getting dislodged. But it will require some careful planning and installation from your contractor because the, one of the key points is you, you want to push this solid baffle out far enough so that your attic insulation will cover the top plate of your exterior wall, but you don't want it so far that it will block the airflow from your soffit vent. Some additional bonus tips. Um, one is mechanical venting. A mechanical vent is a fan system on a timer or a switch that will suck your air or push your air out of your attic. I would only use this for the worst case scenarios. If you have a house where you're getting ice dams and none of the other solutions or none of the other repairs are possible, adding a mechanical venting system could get the job done for you. Um, but again, that seems too costly. Another band-aid that people do is to install the heated wire on top of the roof shingles and down into the gutters, and this heated wire melts any ice which is formed. But it, to me, this is just a band-aid, and it's not a solution to the problem. I don't think if you install the, the, the heated wire, which is called heat tape, if you install the heat tape, you're not fixing the problem. Another bonus tip is to make sure that ice and water shield is used on your roof. Ice and water shield is a rubber membrane type of product that's installed underneath your roof shingles to add a layer of protection so that should any ice or water get under the shingles, it will have that rubber membrane that will keep it from getting into your house. Now the ice and water shield comes in three foot wide rolls and the minimum that some contractors will install is just one row which only gives you three feet of protection. I like to install at least two rows so you get six feet but you could even go up and cover the entire roof if you wanted to. Also I would recommend installing the ice and water shield into any roof valleys or any other problem areas that have a greater potential for water to get in. Now, if you're replacing your roof and you want, don't want to deal with any of this at all, you could install a, a standing seam metal roof. Here you have no horizontal joints. The snow just slides off. One thing you need to be considerate of, of is the protection from falling ice and snow. You don't want ice and snow to come sliding off your roof and land on someone's head. But even if you did install a metal roof, I would still recommend the 
insulation and air sealing details. Now, I know at the time of recording, we're, we're coming out of winter and coming into spring, so ice dams aren't really on people's minds, but I want you to take the time to think about this past winter. Did you have any ice dams that you need to prepare for for next winter so that going into the next winter, you don't have the same problems? Well, if you did have some ice dams, the first thing that I would do is to check that you have a fully vented soffit system and that none of those vents are blocked. If you need to, you can add venting and that would be a good place to start. The next thing I would do is remove any penetrations through your ceiling into your attic, which are the recessed can lights or box in any ductwork. The next thing that you can do if you want to spend a little bit more money is you can remove your, your existing attic insulation, install a flash coat of closed cell spray foam, and then put in new fiberglass bat or cellulose insulation. And then the last thing that you could do is install any static vents if needed. Right, next, we're going to get into stories from the job site. Now, while we can learn from mistakes, I don't want all of these stories to be negative. I like to focus on positive and good things that are learned on the job site, and I think that's equally important. So for this week, I want to talk about a recent project that was just finished in my office. Um, it was a affordable senior housing project, and the site superintendent, one of the best supers I've ever had the opportunity to work with. He was very organized, easy to work with, kept a clean site. He was very knowledgeable. He held the subcontractors accountable, which is very important. And I think he went above and beyond to double and triple check each subcontractor's work for quality and to make sure that they were doing things correctly especially because he had a framing crew that was underperforming and and he you know really went above and beyond to make sure that everything was done right during the course of the project he made several great suggestions to increase the quality and effectiveness of certain details and he was always respectful about this and i appreciated this very much as the architect he reviewed the details with me prior to implementing them some cases, his revisions have even become my new standards. This, I think, is a perfect example of how a good, attentive contractor can make a big difference in the quality of the build. So now it's time for Ask an Architect. And this week's question is from Ted from Ohio, and he's from the Toledo area. So Ted writes, I'm constructing a new house, working with a local builder. We have just started excavating for the foundations. We are working with a comfortable but still limited budget. Where do you think the best places to splurge on materials would be? Should I spend extra money in the kitchen, the bathroom, the flooring, or something else? All right, Ted, my answer may not be exactly what you want to hear, and this comes down to an overarching philosophy that I have when building, especially with a fixed budget. I always recommend that you invest more into the structure 
the efficiency and the durability of your house over finished materials. So let's start with structure. Are your framing members sized to the minimum size allowed? I always like to bump up the size of my floor framing and roof framing members. This will allow for more flexibility in the future. Will reduce bounce on your floor as people will move and walk around. And I would also heavily invest in anchoring systems of the foundation, of the framing into the foundation, and hold down straps to the roof. Try to think of where the vulnerabilities are in the event of a disaster like a hurricane or a tornado. If you're building a deck onto your house, and especially if it's a second story deck, I like to dramatically increase the size of the framing and anchoring systems. Not only at some point in this deck's life will there be 50 plus people on it, but at some point it may need to withstand high winds and deck, a deck will act like a kite. It will just catch the wind and want to rip off. But more for decks on a future episode. So once you have the structure adequately sized and even oversized, the next place I like to spend money is the energy efficiency of the house. Now there are multiple ways to increase the amount of insulation and the performance of your building envelope. You can install better or thicker wall insulation. You can insulate the basement slab. You can insulate the foundation walls. You can install a continuous rigid insulation system on the exterior of your house. You can increase the insulation in your, in your attic. You can build a double wall to, to really get insulation that R value built up. And you can concentrate on good air sealing practices. Doing these will not only make your house more comfortable to live in, but it will save you money each month in heating and cooling costs. And saving money each month allows you to do more with your family. It allows you to save for the future. It allows you to make additional upgrades to your house in the future. Now, along with insulation, there's many different types of mechanical and electrical systems that can run more efficiently and save you money. Next is durability. Now, this is where we start to talk about finished materials a bit, but not just the materials themselves, but how certain assemblies are created. Once you've upgraded the structure and you've upgraded the energy efficiency of your house, the next thing that you want to look at is durability. I don't like to spend a lot of money on products that have a short lifespan. For example, let's say you're installing, you're going to install floors in a bedroom. You can install carpet, which is probably the cheapest solution, and you may only get a handful of years out of it. Or you can install hardwood flooring, which costs more but can last a lifetime. Same thing with vinyl siding versus fiber cement siding. And even fiber cement siding versus fiber cement installed on a rain screen system. That rain screen system allows for the, the back venting of the siding product and it will last that much longer. Now the reason why I say all of this is that you only really have one chance to build your house right and to make your house as energy efficient as possible. Sure, there's things that you can do in the future, but most of us are not going to rip up our exterior walls once they're enclosed. You could always change finishes, but investing your money into what make, will make your house safe, last the longest, and will cost you the least amount of money to operate is by far the better solution than investing in fancy materials. Now, a good way to get started on this is to speak with your builder and formulate a list of structural, insulation, mechanical, and durable material upgrades. Ask your builder to price out each option and then you can evaluate your budget and pick and choose which makes the most sense for you. Unfortunately, the HGTV culture and people trying to impress their friends has everyone thinking about the wrong things. I will always choose to spend money on the efficiency and quality of the building, the structure, and the systems ahead of finishes. 
In my opinion, it is wiser to spend your budget on an advanced envelope insulation system, even if it means you have to live with laminate countertops instead of granite or quartz. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Home Design Academy podcast. I hope you've enjoyed yourself and learned something along the way. Make sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. If you'd like to have your question answered on the Ask an Architect segment, please send an email to hda.n3architect at gmail.com. That's hda.n3architect at gmail.com. Visit n3architecture.com for all the show notes and other useful information. Tune into the next episode. Thank you and goodbye.